0: And it appears that we are live.
1: That is what YouTube is telling me. As I'm always want to do, I'm always a little scared about the sound. I want to make sure that you guys can hear me. So I don't see us uh, up quite yet. There's always a little bit of a delay between me talking and you guys hearing me. But let's see if uh, all is well here. And it appeared. And, yep. So looks like we're. Uh, looks like we're pretty good. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to my live Q&A show. We're doing it again. (laughs) Live streaming it. I'm even going to include a little bit of a commercial spot this week. Yeah, look out. About halfway through the show, we'll see about uh, a little commercial spot because I totally, totally forgot to do it during my live podcast yesterday that I did with Jeffrey Augustine. And If you guys haven't seen that podcast, it was a lot of fun. We we talked about uh, Grant Cardone and his current troubles so if you're at all interested or curious about that then you might want to check that podcast out from yesterday it's also on my channel okay hey got a couple super chats already you guys are awesome thank you very much couch and uh, new three Uh, thank you for those uh, you can always uh, throw support my way through the, through the chat here. I have got uh, Melissa, my beautiful, wonderful wife, on moderation duties, but she is off camera today <laughs> by, by her choice, which we are going to respect. So uh, We're f- totally happy with that because we love her and we are very, very happy when she helps. She's she's awesome that way. So she'll be keeping track of you guys' questions as they come in so I can focus more on actually answering them. Um, Okay, and with that, let's see, is there anything? Oh, a couple of things I wanted to say real fast um, that I did not throw up in the um, live stream yesterday. So word is that churches of Scientology around the United States are actually closed, not just... um, Not just discouraging people from coming, but actually not letting folks come, except, I think, in the um, states where governors have specifically said that they can continue carrying on with services like Florida, which is uh, why Clearwater, why Flag is still open. Um, And, uh, oh, hey, greetings from London. Hey, Paul. Uh, And also, I think down in Texas, I think they're still open for business. But they're mostly encouraging people in Scientology to be doing extension coursework right now. And I can hardly imagine what management and what all the statistics guys in Scientology must be going through. Uh, Oh, man. But it must just be horrible because it's just goose eggs across the boards. I mean... One thing that I that I pointed out in the podcast that I'll take some time to point out now is that Scientology's whole business model, their entire everything they do, is based on one to one interaction uh, with you know with the parishioners, with the people who come in and pay the money. Auditing it's an in person activity; you can't do it over the internet. Um, training even you know you can't supervise people over the internet you have to be there in person for them to be doing their coursework they do these extension courses as a last ditch hail mary to get them to do something at home and get them reading hubbard's books at least keep them you know kind of keeping some line of indoctrination going but um but for the most part uh yeah it's not. It's not going well for them right now. If they can't be making personal contact with people, and that is something they can't do right now. So, anyway, I just wanted to comment on that real fast. Um, so, happy Easter to everybody! Uh, by the way, this is Easter. I guess I should say happy Easter. I mean, I know it's Easter's. I don't. I, I've never. I've never really totally, you know, had my wits around Easter. As a kid, it was always just jelly beans and Easter eggs. And as an adult, it didn't mean anything to me at all. I had no, I didn't know, understand Passover, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. None of it really registered at all to me. So I still feel a little awkward uh, around Easter. Anyway, hey, people were uh, saying Heidi in the mm-hmm. chat. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we are doing a QA show, so I guess I should get around to A'ing some of the Q's, huh? So the first one we had was actually uh, from Preacher1138. He, he kicked this in last night with a generous super chat, too. So I'll do his first, and then we'll go from there. Uh, he says When the Church of Scientology used to have people like Heber Jentz appear on TV to debate former members, how did they avoid being disciplined for being near such SPs? And why does the church have no spokespeople now? Well, see, this is actually a great question, because, and for those of you who don't know, Heber Gentch is a man who used to be the president of the Church of Scientology International, and he was their media spokesperson, and he was loud and proud. He was out there on 60 Minutes, news shows, radio shows, all through the, um, I think in the 70s, certainly in the 80s, he picked up that job and started running with it. And I think into the 90s, he was making appearances. Uh, of course, Miscavige, you know, did the Nightline thing. I think that was in 91, where he started putting himself in the spotlight. But um, but Gench, Heber Gench was the guy who was really out there as the media spokesperson. Um, and he was into confronting and shattering suppression. Like he was, bring it, you know, I'll take it on. He was not at all afraid of dealing with church critics or people who had something to say about Scientology. And he um, was very confrontational. But uh, I remember very clearly hearing one show, I think this was a recording actually after I got out of Scientology, where he was being confronted by somebody who was chanting OT material on the air on a radio show, and Heber was just fit to be tied, man. He was not dealing well with it. He stood up and walked over to the person, and he looked, I think, from what they were saying, and the way they were describing it while they were talking on the radio, um, it was... uh, um, almost fisticuffs. I mean, he was, like, threatening. He was, like, you know, standing over them, like, you will not do this, you know. But, you know, all you do is come across as somebody who is the antithesis of a free speech advocate. And if the Church of Scientology is going to throw themselves out there and position themselves as human rights advocates, which they very definitely do with the whole Youth for Human Rights campaign and everything, then it's a little weird that they're sitting there... um, you know, going on about how you shall not say those words, you know, and it, it just comes across as ridiculous. And, uh, and that kind of confrontational PR strategy kind of melted in the 90s for whatever reason, whatever series of decisions led to that. Uh, Heber's, you know, coming out and, and, and getting in people's faces really turned against them in the 90s and 2000s, I think, and especially by the time you know that the big exposure came with Anonymous. So that's um, and then as far as uh, I think you asked uh, preacher, let's see if I can find that question. Oh, message retracted. Oh, okay. Well, don't know what he don't have the wording of that question. But um, as far as why no media spokesperson now, I don't anything. I don't think anybody really wants the job, and I don't know that Miscavige trusts anybody to do the job. So I guess he'd rather have nobody there then put somebody there who is, um, in his eyes, going to flub the dub. And um, pretty sure that after Tommy Davis came off that job in, I think it was 2011, um, they've only had one place where they've had a very much of a call for a media person, and they had Monique Yingling go out and do it, one of their lawyers, you know. So clearly Miscavige is not... Uh, prepping or down with too many other people stepping up and being media spokespeople. And I couldn't really say exactly why, except I do know for sure that it's a job that uh, that nobody wants. That I'm positive of. So, uh, so there you go. I just realized that for uh, posterity purposes, I will throw the chat up on the screen here so we get that in for future videos. Okay, so now let's see. What's our next question? I think we've got a lot of them, so let me see if I can catch up.
0: Kevin Slider, what books, articles, movies, or documentaries have you read or seen recently or your favorite comedian?
1: Okay, books or documentaries I've watched recently. Uh, One Child Nation on Netflix was terrifying and horrifying. That was about China's one-child policy. Oh, my God. And now they have a two-child policy, which is great, but is it really? I mean, really anyway. It's when you see how they had to enforce that, that was that was horrifying. Um on the other hand, of course there was Tiger King. <laughs> we watched that documentary, did a whole podcast on it. Um so that was kind of fun. Uh mostly on Netflix we keep up with stand-up, with stand-up comedy. Uh, I don't really have a a set favorite comedian exactly of the modern you know, core of comedians who are out there. I love Chappelle. Um, And I'd say my all-time favorite is George Carlin, just the master. I saw him live, by the way, back when I was in high school, and he was amazing. Polly Shore opened up for him, if you can believe it. And Polly Shore's stand-up was actually hilarious. Um, Of course, I was in high school at the time, so I don't know if I'd still think it was hilarious. But George Carlin I've always been down with uh and oh I will say this I will say this I uh, I know this might be controversial for some people uh but against my better judgment I am gonna say that we did watch Louis CK's uh latest stand-up sincerely which you have to stream um and I liked it I thought he did a good job and you know say what you you can think whatever you want about Louis CK as a person I think he definitely has some interesting um deviancy or kink. Uh, he talks about that on stage, definitely acknowledges it. It was a interestingly put together show from the point of view of of audience I don't I, I don't want to say this in a bad way. I don't want to, I don't mean to get this across in a, in, as though Louis CK was doing something evil. but I will say there was interesting audience manipulation during his show. I noted a few things he did that I thought, oh that's an interesting way of putting that uh anyway maybe a comment on that more later at a later date after more people have seen it but anyway just throwing that out there what's the next one Shelton, commercial? Are you selling out? Am I selling out? No, I have a sponsor. It's called The Great Courses Plus, and you'll be hearing a little bit about that. As uh, those of you who have been paying attention to my podcast over the last year, I throw those commercials up there, and they help pay the rent. So take that. (laughs) Plus, it's also, of course, the product I actually really do believe in. The Great Courses is is pretty awesome stuff. Flint. (laughs) (laughs) Selling out. (laughs)
0: N.B. Singh says, when people get clear and don't see any result, then why they don't leave Scientology?
1: Um, Because they do see a result. See, that's the thing. Um, The thing about indoctrination, brainwashing, um, you know, cognitive dissonance, motivated reasoning, uh, is that it's all in the direction of actually believing. You know, when I went clear, I thought I had achieved this radical new state of amazing ability. And I could see all kinds of things, (laughs) which didn't mean they were there, but I still saw them. Um, And I don't mean I was completely delusional. I just mean that you can see and perceive. I mean, belief affects perception in dramatic ways sometimes. And uh, so if you think that you are somehow predicting the future. You know those feelings that you get of deja vu sometimes? Well, imagine getting them all the time um, and sort of making yourself think that you were the causative agent of that deja vu, that you actually predicted something like that or saw the future somehow. You know, those kind of things. You can see things that validate you know, dreams that you had or ideas that you had or, you know, things like you just make stuff up and you believe it. And I really don't know a a better way to describe it than that because um, it sounds a little, you know, like crazy talk. Um, And I don't mean it to be like crazy talk. I'm not trying to imply that there's an actual mental illness here. I'm saying that the way our beliefs and and the, and our prediction and the way our brain operates, it's all kind of set up to reinforce your belief system. You know, that's the, your brain is set up to to service you that way, and it takes a great deal of effort to overcome that and to think critically. It's not native to how we think to think critically. So that's why it's kind of like you got to overcome that. You know. Anyway, that's um, I think that answers the question. All right, what else, uh, what else we got here? So
0: we've got a uh, great show with Jeff from, oh, John Overson says, great show with Jeff. Is the reason Scientology won't take you off the mailing list because zero interest is still interest? <laughs> is filing a lawsuit <laughs> against the church lowered interest? <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, somebody asked about interest, no interest with uh, the church Scientology taking people off of their mailing list. And, yeah, that actually, that reasoning is exactly why they will continue pounding on you and calling you and 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 thinking you know if you expressed interest at one point any point at all in Dianetics or scientology then that is a reach and that means you've you've got something that you got that little twinkle in your eye and we can we can turn that into a full-blown fervent nuclear explosion you know so that's the that is definitely the idea with that Uh yes, what? Who was that? That was oh Tamara. Yes, thank you, thank you, Tamara, for that super chat. Awesome. Cool.
0: The next question is: Is Melissa uh, from Robert Roberts? Is Melissa off camera because she has shaggy hair? I was overdue for a haircut that was canceled the first day of lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. I just haven't gotten out of my pajamas yet today. (laughs) That's the real reason. (laughs) Okay, cool. What's the next one? Um,
1: When I was in the Sea Org, was there ever a moment of doubt about Scientology? Absolutely. Many, many, many times. Um, I was just able to uh, hack and shred and kill and and destroy those doubts uh, with the fervency of my belief. (laughs) Or the fervency of peer pressure and, uh, and guilting and love bombing and all the other wonderful, wonderful mechanisms that cults use to keep you in line. Uh, what else we got? So from
0: Sir Sandu, hi Chris. DM will celebrate his 60th on April 30th. What gift will you, would you send him if you could?
1: What gift would I send David Miscavige on his 60th birthday coming up? Um. <laughs> um. Wow, I don't want to be mean spirited here. Um Maybe I should send him a copy of my book. Okay, yeah, that, that'll that be my answer. All right, what's the next, what's the next question? Okay, also
0: from Sarv will May 9th, 70th anniversary of Dianetics go ahead?
1: Oh, good question. May 9th coming up. April, May, no. No, I doubt they're going to be doing any uh, big events for May 9th. That's too soon um maiden voyage is going to be problematic for them but at least they'll be all be on a boat it'll it we'll kind of see if many how many ot8s we want to step up and go out to the ship come come june and july um as far as may 9th goes yeah no scientology's i think keeping with the with the trend here of of staying safe and thank god they finally got around to that even though they're still sending their Volunteer ministers around with decon and spraying down surfaces and thinking that's... I mean, sure, it's helpful, but really, you know, I think social distancing is more helpful. Uh, Yeah, what else we got? Sean McMullen, have you any thoughts on the Shambhala Buddhist scandal? Their worldwide headquarters are in Colorado. Oh, I'm not familiar with that uh, crisis... Uh, scandal right now not not at all sorry it's hard to keep up on all these groups you know I, I i keep a little bit of a finger on the pulse of some of them but there's just thousands of these things out there anyway that's my lame excuse for not knowing anything about that <laughs> so what else we got
0: acoustic I liked your videos, Deconstructing Scientology. I wonder when you're reading the long quotes from the book
1: and looking at the camera, are you using a teleprompter or did you memorize those long quotes? Oh, yeah, no. Almost all those videos, uh, in fact, all those videos, I'll say, are teleprompted. Um, my Q&As are not. My Q&A answers are pretty much off the top of my head unless I let you know that I'm answering from a from some notes. Um, but all my other videos, you know, the, the, the podcasts are also pretty just off the cuff, me talking. Um, but most of my videos, especially for the first many years that I was putting them out, were teleprompted using um, my uh, Kindle. This is This is my teleprompter here. <laughs> and I hang it like that. <laughs> That's how that works. So there you go. What's next?
0: M says, "Have you seen Sebastian Mancuso spelling?"
1: Mancuso, yes, I have. I we did see Sebastian Mancuso. He's a little rough around the edges, <laughs> but I but I liked some of his stuff. Yeah. All right.
0: And then Phil, acoustic chaos. Does Scientology prefer that a member is on staff in the org or a public member?
1: Um. Let me see that question. What was that now? Does Scientology prefer? Oh, okay. The Scientology, as, a, as an entity, prefer staff, public, or Sea Org? Um, I would say Sea Org, because those are the fervent, dedicated, hardcore, right? And they need to, you know, the thing about the Sea Org, one of the reasons why they're so inefficient and, and bumbling and stumbling around all the time is because there's too few of them with way too many demands on their heads, um, and they're just, they're constantly sh- shifting people around from place to place, job to job, you know, doing different things every few months or every, you know, year or two, you got a whole different job and then you got to learn it and get up to speed on that. And then you get browbeat around and, you know, maybe you were a success and maybe you're a failure and, and then, um, and then you got another job, you know, oh, well, you got to send this trainee, we got to do this, we got to do that. So it's a constant musical chairs kind of, you know, activity, round, round, round we go. And, um, and the Sea Org could probably, like, get 10 times the number of people and still actually keep them, keep them going in one degree or another. So I think, anyway, I think those are the most valuable as far as uh, Miscavige and, and company Go. I think they. I think they want them more than anything. Okay. So then, John Robertson asks, Chris Shelton, has Whoopi Goldberg clarified her endorsement of Narcanon? Whoopi Goldberg endorsed Narcanon this last week. Has she clarified that? Not that I've seen. Uh, I even tweeted at her. I mean, not that she's paying any attention to me, but you know, I think a lot of people did, and I really surprises me that she has not stepped up and said something publicly about that. I don't watch The View. But I think that's the sort of thing I would have heard about if she had clarified that. So basically, fuck Whoopi Goldberg. Um, I'm, I'm fit to be tied, you know, that, that she would endorse Narcanon. This is a, you know, this is a, an activity. I just did a whole podcast a, a week ago with somebody about this. Um, Narconon's deadly. It's not just another, you know, stupid drug rehab program. Amongst an you know an ocean of stupid drug rehab programs, it is, um, it's it's bad, you know. It's really really destructive to people's health and well being, and it does nothing for their drug problem really. So anyway, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg is uh, not high on my you know happy people list right now. Yeah. So Minty Crackers asks, with most cults declaring Armageddon, what does Scientology and end times look like? Okay, Scientology end times. Scientology doesn't really want end times. They're not a they're not a doomsday cult. They want a future that's bright and happy and cheerful. They just imagine that that future only exists when Scientology's flag is flying over the whole scene. You know, they're pretty authoritarian that way. Um, so, uh, it's not really a doom—you know, they, they imagine that the world could end at any moment because of the stupidity of people, you know, nuclear weapons, some viral contagion, some other situation, alien invasion. I mean, Hubbard seriously talked about that, by the way. Uh, he, he joked about it, but he kind of wasn't joking. Um, so there's a number of different ways that the end of the world can happen. But Scientologists don't particularly ponder, you know, favorite end-time scenarios. They ponder how are we going to beat the race against time and save and salvage all of humanity before it's too late. That's that's kind of more how they think.
0: All right, so Neon Cat asks, hi, Chris. I'm wondering if Jamie DeWolf will be on anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I, I, you have to ask him. <laughs> I certainly have a number of times, and I'm not bad mouthing him. He's a super, super busy guy. I mean, really, and he's on the road a lot and stuff. Um, he was on Rachel Bernstein's podcast, about, I think, about a month or two ago, and I had talked to her about it. And she was like, "Yeah, I just happened to wrangle him at the exact right time, and he had a few minutes on his, you know, I had, had an hour or two of some downtime because he was stuck at home or something, and and they got him on. So anyway, I'm gonna, I'll keep trying. I'll reach out to him again. I really would do wanna to, wanna to talk to him. So Polly e. M asked, and I think this is in reference to when you were talking about going clear earlier, what did you see? Oh yeah, I described yeah, I described that with yeah. the with the clear thing. You see what you wanna see, and that's really what I meant to say there is when you want to believe you have superpowers, you'll see them. I mean when you really, when you really have an interest in that, when you really think That you are making spiritual headway, then then you feel more blissful. You know? When you feel when you are told that by reading this material or learning this stuff, you are smarter than the rest of the people around you in the in the world, then you start seeing yourself that way. And then every single time somebody does something dumb, ah, see, I'm smarter. And every time you do something dumb. It was some circumstantial problem, right? So it's fundamental attribution error all over the place, you know, so that's that's how you it's it's it sounds stupid and simple because it is, but that's how people delude themselves. All right, so Philacusa chaos once again asks, does David Miscavige ever go out incognito? Does David Miscavige ever go out incognito? Um I don't think so. And a reason I don't think so is because I think he's too scared to. He, he really is a pretty craven little man. Um, you know, he's not, a, he's not a brave guy, and he's terrified of, of being assassinated, according to everybody I've talked to who knows anything about it, who's actually worked with him. So I trust them, and, uh, and so I don't think. I think he leads a very cloistered, sheltered life, um, you know, by necessity as, as he sees it. So, yeah. All
0: right. Preacher 1138. Does Scientology ever sue Werner Erhard over his EST seminars? FYI, watch the movie Semi Tough for a funny parody of EST.
1: Okay, EST, Est, right. Okay, so Est, Earner Earhart er, 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 Seminar Training, Est, right, which is the, the thing that be, ended up becoming the forum and um, the. What was the it was the form and then what was the other oh landmark, landmark form. Yeah, that whole that whole thing. Um I don't know if they sued him, but they did fair game him. They did go after Earhart and they badmouthed him. I just don't know all the specifics of how they went about that. Uh yeah, that's what I can say about that. And then, Phil Acoustic Chaos asks,
0: "Outside of Narcanon, has anyone ever died doing the purifi- purif purification?" Yeah, has
1: anybody ever died doing the purification program outside of Narcanon? Yes, I've talked a couple times about a man I knew who and I didn't know him, but I knew of him. He was in Sacramento, California, in the late '90s, and he died of a heart attack um, at home. While he was, you know, in the progress of having done the, um, doing the purification program, he'd been doing five hours of sauna work, and he went home and had a heart attack, and I was not allowed to investigate that, look into that, I had to Royce, destroy all records of it, um, and it was just completely shut down, and that was a real eye-opening experience for me to watch that, that, that all that go down but um, not enough of an eye-opening experience for me to open my eyes all the way and wake up. But it was definitely one of those, oh my God, you know, kind of moments like, wow, this is actually happening. And there was nothing I could do about it at all. Very senior people to me were ordering me around on that. And uh, it didn't even occur to me to go outside the church on that. Didn't even enter my headspace, you know. So it's not like I can sit here and uh have a lot of excuses about it it's just that's what happened have i seen others i can't say directly that i have but i have heard indirectly that there have been a number of medical issues caused by the purification rundown and um besides the narconon deaths yeah i can't think off the top of my head of having heard of one by name um so i can't say can't say anything else on that one okay so flint reed says
0: question r2d2 or bb8 yes
1: yes that's true they do have a right to know oh god r2d2 or bb8 man i mean i've even got bb8 back there like r2d2 man like there was ever any contest r2d2 all the way Uh, however, I will say that I am not and never have been in favor of those little jets that shoot out from the side of R2-D2's legs that let him fly around. I think that was total horseshit. Uh, total, total dick move on the part of Lucas or whoever came up with that stupid idea. R2-D2 should never have been given the power of flight. That being said, R2-D2 rocks, so... That's my take on that. I like BB-8, but I like R2 more. It's about 2.30. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, time for our commercial spot. Okay, and this is going to be me fumbling my way through this. I've never done a commercial live, but here we go. This is for the Great Courses Plus, and this is actually a service that I really do believe in, and I really don't have any problem uh, endorsing. And let me tell you guys about this because it's been a few months since I've actually done a spot for them. But, you know, if you're looking at something to do now, I mean, of all the times to get into digital learning and watching coursework online and seeing what's available and what's out there, this is best time ever to check out the Great Courses Plus. I mean, these guys, these are not just YouTube videos. These are professionals talking on the subject of their profession and doing a whole class on it. It's not just one or two little videos. It's... Actual, like full on, I guess I should say uh, coursework. I shouldn't say classes, but because um, it's not the same thing as like going to a college class. But it is still an amazing way to stay informed and engaged. And as far as some of the fact-based courses that they've got up there right now, an introduction to infectious diseases, money and banking, what everyone should know. Now, that's a that's a good one. And Fighting Misinformation, Digital Media Literacy. I mean, you know, are these, are these subjects we should be uh, availing ourselves of right now? Yeah, I think it is. I think they are. And, of course, you've also, when you've got the service, you can also let your kids avail themselves of it, too. So you've got learning for everybody. Um, now, there is a special offer I get to give everybody right now. Uh, it is the perfect time to get started. So, uh, my listeners get a free trial. It's only $10 a month when you sign up for a quarterly plan, okay? And that's you get full access to the whole library. 10 bucks. Pretty good deal. So, what you got to do if you're going to take me up on this is go to the greatcoursesplus.com/critical I'd include that in there so I get credit for you guys going over there. So uh, there you go. Check it out. Sign up. Enjoy yourselves. And that is my commercial spot. And we are now back to our regularly scheduled programming.
0: All right. Lenny asks, do you see similarities between Scientology leadership and our American leadership? Can you explain?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, Okay, so comparisons between Trump, our current leadership, and Scientology's leadership. Yes, there are many parallels. Um, My problems with Donald Trump from day one and his administration have not been political in nature. They have been character in nature. Donald Trump is a malignant narcissist. I think he checks all the boxes. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't get to give him an official diagnosis of that, but that's what I see. And I am more than a little familiar with the characteristics of this. This is all I've been doing for the last six, seven years. Um, I see a lot of similarities in leadership, quote unquote, so-called leadership style. Um, you know, it's my way or the highway. I'm the best thing that's ever been around. This is You're so lucky to have me leading you here. You know, this is the kind of spirit and attitude of, of Miscavige and of Trump. And that and if it was just one guy, it wouldn't really be, you know, a huge problem. But when I talk about our government situation, I'm talking about a, a narcissist leading a government where he gets to appoint judges, he gets to appoint Supreme Court judges. And, and the whole administration has been a bit of a of a keystone cop situation. Now, again, I'm not talking about this from political, you know, like, I, I'd, I'd kind of be saying this left or right. I'm, I'm very much not the person I was, you know, three or four years ago when I was like really a lot more, you know, heavy left. I've gotten a lot more like knowledge about how this stuff works, and I don't really think that I'm making, you know, heavily partisan statements in my criticism of our current administration. So, um, as far as personality characteristics go, they're almost same, same, and. In a crisis situation like we see now, in any situation, as we've seen over the last many years, emphasis is always on a number one, right? Who's, you know, who's the man? Who's leading the charge? Who's giving you the best you've ever asked for and i have always wanted? It's been me, you know? And and it always, always uh, is that way. He can't help himself. And... That's a, that's a shame. That's very, very sad. And I, I wish it wasn't that way. Because we're seeing some of the effects of that on a nation. You know, Scientology is easy to look at and laugh at and point at because it's so small. And David Miscavige is literally this tiny little Napoleon guy. And you're just like, this is ridiculous. How could this be any more ridiculous? But when you take that situation and you, and you blow it up large to a nation like South Korea... Specifically, is is a direct example of this, and Trump over the United States is a lesser degree of this, you know. Then you see what you what we have going on right now, and it's and it could be. It's not that it's the worst of all possible worlds. It's that it it could be so much better than it is right now, and we're losing all that potential because we've got this narcissist in charge. So, there we go. All right. So tower vault. Could the
0: Scribbled Xenu story be a thinly disguised near-fatal drug trip, not space opera? LRH says he's almost died getting the knowledge. Maybe a follow-up to his nitrous oxides experience? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, could the Xenu uh, handwritten story be drug-induced? Absolutely. And there are many people who have asserted that it is. I am equivocal on that because there is eyewitness testimony from people who were around L. Ron Hubbard every day, all day, that he was not a heavy drug user or did drugs of any kind. Uh, light drinker, you know, but then we have years of other people saying that he was you know that he did do drugs, was heavy on alcohol, abused alcohol, abused drugs, um, abused medications. So it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe there were different truths at different times. and it certainly reads like a drug-induced episode, though, doesn't it? It's not really a stretch to think that he could have been overly medicated or overly, you know, drug-intoxicated when he uh, wrote that. So um, anyway, so yeah, so there you go. And uh, Gina G-Gina just noted you can't hear Melissa very well. I'm trying to repeat the questions. I'm not trying to get Melissa on mic. She's reading them to me, and I'm trying to, to paraphrase them. So uh, anyway. I want to clarify right.
0: that so skeptical mantis y'all ever listened to lectures from marshall applewhite from the heaven's gate suicide cult really bizarre but interesting stuff
1: yes have i ever listened to marshall applewhite's lectures from the um heaven's gate cult uh i have watched him on video i have watched his his stuff and yeah he's fascinating terrifying um very very illuminating watching uh how it gets done You know and that look that gets in their eyes it's hard to describe isn't it you know because eyes don't really change but then they kind of do it's weird and you can see it in his face in his eyes he's he's really talking from someplace else than where the rest of us live
0: okay john robertson what do you think will happen with free
1: winds how do you think the sea org is coping on board oh on the free winds um I think the free ones is probably dealing with life as they have been. I don't know. I, I think uh, there's probably less uh, stress there right now because there's probably less public there. Yeah, it's a little hard to say, actually. I would need a little bit more information on what they're doing right now these days. I can only imagine that, you know, I, I think life on the ship right now would be kind of uh, not too bad. I'm a little more concerned about how it's going to be about a month from now if their maiden voyage thing doesn't happen and what they're going to have to do to make up for that because that's a really big income time for Scientology. When they get all their whales on the boat for a week and they're sailing around and they're not letting them off the ship and they're hitting them hard for money every night, night after night after night, that's a big income thing for Scientology, big time of the year for them. And uh, and if that's not going to happen... Then Miscavige could flail about with quite a bit of sound and fury and make a lot of people's lives miserable. And that could extend to the free ones as well. All right. Yeah.
0: Annie, you've been more. Shouldn't Scientology be fair gaming itself for portraying a negative image of Scientology due to the practice of fair gaming? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a cute question. Yes. Yes, Annie, they should. They should definitely be fair gaming themselves.
0: Honey, <laughs> i going back to the book that you're going to be sending David Miscavige. Great gift. Will you sign it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I should. I should send him a book. <laughs> that would be funny. Right, Autograph copy.
0: <clears throat> Neon Cat asks, what was the Scientology project you were working on with Jamie DeVol- Lee Wolf that didn't go through?
1: Oh, okay. What was the Scientology project I was working on with Jamie DeWolf that didn't go through? It was a TV series. It was going to be a series of episodes uh, about uh, Scientology, about survivors of Scientology, about trying to reconnect people. Um, and I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm a little. I'm still a little bit hesitant. I don't know if I can talk about it yet. Um. Yeah, maybe that's something that Jamie and I should talk about when we do the podcast. Actually, because I signed some documents and I just I'm a little hesitant to talk about it until I get full clarification that I'm clear, free and clear to do that. Um, I think that would be prudent. But it was a it was a series and it was going to be amazing. It was going to be great. Um, I think Leah's show was better. I'm glad that that, that got out there. Um, but I have always been bummed that that that, that uh, one we did did not did not go. The worst meal you ever had on the RPF. Okay, Lena. Hey. Uh, worst meal I ever had on the RPF. Um, it's a, it's a toss-up between the rice and beans and um, the runny eggs for breakfast because they were cold. And cold runny eggs suck. It's weird how you can put salt on them and get the appearance of a little bit of heat or a little bit more flavor or something. Um Oh, anyway, yeah, it took me a long time to want to start eating eggs again after I left. I mean, it took years for me to be like, oh, eggs. Now I eat eggs all the time, but because I cook them well, you know, but man, that sucked. Yeah, that was almost worse than the rice and beans. Okay, so, Polly M, have you ever seen an OT8 do anything otherworldly? Have I ever seen an OT8 do anything otherworldly? No, I saw ot talk about doing things that were otherworldly. I listened to OT8s tell me about telepathy, tell me about predicting the future, uh, you know, clair- clairvoyance, I guess, uh, or precognition. Um, I never had an OT8 claim to me that they moved things with their mind. I've never had any Scientologist legit claim telekinesis, but telepathy. And clairvoyance and, you know, finding things that are lost, changing the weather. Lots of them claim to change the weather. Oh, yeah, I can look and dissolve clouds with my laser laser coming out of my eyes or some nonsense. Um, Definitely heard about that kind of thing in Clearwater a lot, too, because, you know, you get crappy weather down in Clearwater and all the OTs got to postulate it away. So they would make claims about that. But I never once saw, with my own two eyes, anything that I could actually classify as a supernatural event.
0: Okay, so Kylie P asks, do you know when the RPF started, was it created early on in Scientology or later as a way for Hubbard or Miscavige to further control and abuse members?
1: Okay, creation of the RPF. When was it, and uh, was it a while ago, and is it you know Hubbard or Miscavige or what? Um, the... The RPF was created on the uh, on the ship, uh, not the free winds, The the old boats, the Apollo and and uh, the Athena, the ships that Hubbard was originally sailing around in the Mediterranean on. Um, and there's contention as to whether Elron Hubbard personally created it. There's a guy who was there who said it was, you know, his creation. Um, but he's very pro-Hubbard, very much a Hubbard apologist, so I don't believe him. Um, and that's, you know, that I believe L. Ron Hubbard absolutely created it. He certainly created the conditions under which such a thing could be created and under which it could, you know, somebody could come up with that idea and run with it. Um, you know, there were practices, there were things that Mary Sue had apparently ordered to be done that contributed to... The evolution of this thing that eventually became the RPF, like for example, it was first called the 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 Mudbox Brigade, and uh, then it evolved into this rehabilitation program. Um, oh, hey, thanks Molly for that super chat. Happy Easter. Um, so that's kind of you know. So it was a process. It didn't just appear one day, and and be this horrible awful thing. Actually, originally. Uh, it was a much shorter program on the ship, and people actually wanted to go to it. They could go and kind of chill for a little while and get their head straight and come back, uh, according to people who actually did it back then. I'm, you know, I I still think it's bullshit, but that was what they said. So okay, and then it evolved into horribleness. Then it went off the ship on land, and you know, so there's there's a whole. Um, Evolution to this thing but it was um, it I believe it was Hubbard's brainchild I have no reason to believe otherwise and every reason to believe that and of course all the flag orders and all of the uh, directives and guidelines about the RPF are detailed in issues with L. Ron Hubbard's name on them so yeah his baby we mm-hmm. got a lot of questions I'll try to speed up here got a lot of them
0: opinion would bring Church of Scientology to its knees?
1: What would bring the Church of Scientology to its knees? Taking away its tax exemption or David Miscavige getting caught on video beating the crap out of somebody? Either one of those two things would destroy Scientology overnight.
0: Sarf Sandy would like to know when LRH will be
1: resurrected. When is LRH going to get resurrected? Well, according to some people, he already has. But uh, I don't believe it. Uh, yeah, I don't think ORH is coming back. All right, so then, G.M.A.T. asked
0: when you joined the Sea Org, do people know what to expect, or are they really blinded?
1: Okay, when I joined the Sea Org, do people know what to expect, or are they really blinded? No, there is no such thing as informed consent in any level of Scientology. You are not told. Or given really any real idea of what's going to happen to you over the next, you know, the course of the next steps, and that, and nowhere is that more true than in the Sea Org. I joined the Sea Org knowing that the RPF was a thing, that the schedule was going to be rough, that it was that, that discipline was was more tight there, but I had no idea how badly everybody treated one another in the Sea Org or the culture of the Sea Org being institutionalized abuse. I did not understand that. I was under the impression when I joined the Sea Org that I was stepping up to a, a more sane and rational organization that was doing everything it could to forward the message and, and aims and goals of Scientology. And I knew it was going to be tough, but I didn't know that You know, there's a good tough and there's a bad tough. And I, you know, and I didn't know about the bad tough. I didn't know. I had no idea how bad things could get. I was extremely naive, and I was suffering under the gross delusion that David Miscavige and upper levels of Scientology actually do Scientology because they don't, right? Uh, if you read the basics of Scientology, it talks about compassion, it talks about tolerance, it talks about human rights, it talks about free speech talks about open communication to resolve problems. These are basic principles of Scientology that are violated every single day in Scientology. So, you know, I, I just wish it hadn't taken me as long to figure that out. Okay, so ex-Scientologist wants to know, have you heard of Scientology staff and the Sea Org staying relatively healthy from the virus? I don't I haven't actually heard one way or the other about how Scientologists are doing health-wise in relation to the virus as a subset of of, of folks. I, I got no numbers on that and I don't even have any good conjecture on it because there's no information coming out of the base. I said that this that the big blue and flag, you know, they're gonna lock down and they're gonna, you know, be too tightly close together and a lot of people are gonna get sick. That's my prediction, it still is. Um you know, I imagine that, that, that COVID-19 is probably raging through both of the, you know, all the Sea Org bases, but I can't be sure. Maybe they did learn their lessons. Maybe they did figure out how to enforce some social distancing on the base. I can't see how, given how many people are there, but anything's, you know, anything's possible. And I certainly hope that a whole bunch of people aren't getting sick. And I certainly hope there's nobody dying in on those bases because of COVID-19. Hard to say what's happening though. They're, you know, they're not going to be transparent about it. That's for sure. Uh, okay. So Polly M says, "Is Whoopi friends with Cruz? Would that be why?" And respond. Oh, is Whoopi? Out? Yeah, <laughs> is Whoopi Goldberg friends with Tom Cruise? I don't know. Um, there's a lot of ways Scientology could get to Whoopi, um, and give. And I don't mean get to her as in blackmail her. I'm not implying that. I mean get to her and feed her. False information that would cause her to endorse Narcanon. There's a, you know, Whoopi's got a ton of, of friends in the celebrity world, and and there's more than just Tom Cruise pimping Scientology in the celebrity world. So, um, so it could have come through any channel, you know. Uh yeah. All right. Phil acoustic
0: chaos. Do Sea Org members ever route out to join staff?
1: Do Sea Org members ever route out of the Sea Org to join staff? No, you cannot do that. If you leave the Sea Org, you're done. You cannot go to staff. It only goes, the ladder goes upwards. You go public, staff, Sea Org. If you leave the Sea Org, you're public again after you've made up for your damage, you know, for leaving the Sea Org. Um, But you're verboten to go back on staff.
0: TLC Timbo, will you be taking questions
1: from askchrisshelton at gmail.com during this live cast? Yeah, no. During live casts, I always just take questions from the comment section because um, they, they come in so fast, I'm not even keeping up with them. That's why. <laughs> yeah. All right. Kalani Warner,
0: what is one of your favorite quotes that gives you inspiration or moves you?
1: It's chaos, be kind. That's That's the big one for me. Um listening to Carl Sagan speak pretty much about almost anything I find very inspiring. Um Neil deGrasse Tyson's pretty good. Um Yeah. I think those are the ones that you know Arnold Schwarzenegger gave an incredibly moving and inspirational speech about never giving up and about always going forward that really really got me that that hit me pretty hard too i think i saw that a few months ago uh so i'm kind of a i i'm i'm kind of uh inspiration bait though i i kind of really like hearing inspirational things from from all kinds of sources i mean you know the i have a dream speech from martin luther king you know is just all-time eternal classic um yeah stuff like that right. oh and i love mr rogers That guy says some pretty inspirational stuff. Uh, Fred flo do you boycott
0: any movie which has a Scientologist as actor or protagonist?
1: Do I boycott movies that have a Scientologist as an actor or protagonist in them? No. We just saw The Invisible Man a few weeks ago. Uh, Not a bad movie. Just kind of really bizarre that... You know, Elizabeth Moss of all people is making a movie about gaslighting from you know psychotic people. Um, anyway, no, I do not boycott them all. I just can't watch Tom Cruise. I can't stand that guy. Can't watch him at all. But um, I definitely, you know, to this day, I enjoy Face Off with with Tom with, Tom, with uh, John Travolta because it's so over the top ridiculous. Um, and, uh, what was the other one that he did? Um, yeah, there's a couple John Travolta movies that I still kind of go, oh, yeah, that was good. And, um, you know, and if I see Michael Pena, I'm like, uh, you know, my, my disbelief is suspended for a minute with Elizabeth Moss too. Um, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to buckle down on that because I gotta, I gotta watch The Handmaid's Tale and do a whole video about that at some point. So, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yep. Any chance Sea Org members are getting information that Church Scientology
1: doesn't want them seeing or hearing during the COVID-19 situation? Okay, are Sea Org members possibly getting outside data during this COVID-19 time? Uh, Yes, Sea Org members are getting outside data all the time, actually. They go to Wi-Fi at the Starbucks or at the supermarket. I saw this happen, right? I did it myself when I was a Sea Org member. And they'll go see stuff that they're not supposed to be seeing. They will self-police, though, to stay away from the really, truly confidential, nasty stuff. And I speak from personal experience on that and from watching other Sea Org members and how they go online and what they do when they have unfettered Internet access. They still – the mental blocks are all still in place. It takes – uh, it, it's a gradual process getting somebody to open up to look at stuff that they're not supposed to be looking at, is, is been my experience with that. So, yeah, they do have access to it, and sometimes they look at it. And, yes, sometimes that actually does make a difference and gets them uh, eventually out. All right.
0: <clears throat> is it factual that Hubbard participated in... Occult cult sex rituals, or is he just linked through his
1: friend and assumed? Uh, it is absolutely definite that L. Ron Hubbard engaged in sex magic rituals with Jack Parsons as part of his practice of O.T.O., Ordo Templi Orientis, and uh, Thalema, which is what he was practicing, and uh, this was in the mid to late 1940s, and in fact, there's going to be a whole podcast uh, coming out next week on this channel uh, with somebody from the O.T.O., uh, and we're gonna and we talk all about that. It's already in the can. I've just it's already rendered out. I just need to get it uploaded, so uh, you guys can look forward to seeing that next week. And we talk in detail about uh, the shenanigans Hubbard got up to as an occultist. All
0: right, Couch asks, since you have been in quarantine, has Seven completely taken over your household?
1: <laughs> Seven's always taken over complete control of our household. The quarantine ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> Yes.
0: King, just wondering how old you
1: were when you joined the Sea Org. I was 25 when I joined the Sea Org.
0: Thoughts on the new bat suit? I like it all except
1: the collar on the neck. Yes, the bat suit. Thanks, TJ, for uh, asking me about this. Um, I I think I put that in the um, in my flash answers too, so I'll get that out of there now. But I love it. I'm looking forward to it. I actually am always interested in reimagination, reimaginings, and reboots of. Um, of batman and and when they do it right when they do it well when they do it gritty i kind of like it i like it dark i like it gritty and i'm i'm impressed by what i have seen so far but they but admittedly we've only got a couple pictures on the batman this is the new one um what's his name the uh uh, pattison yeah robert Robert pattison's playing batman and um uh who's the penguin the uh, the the Colin Farrell. Yes. Colin Farrell is playing Penguin. Uh, I, I, the other names of some of the other uh, not Zoe Kravitz. Who else? It's Catwoman. Anyway, looks pretty good to me. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, Paul Czar is giving me a super chat here. Why seven? Why were there six? Were there six cats before? <laughs> no, there were not. Um, Seven was obtained by Melissa when he was just a little tiny. It's a little kitty. And he has this little white mark on him that looks like a seven. So he's not seven of nine. There were not six before him. It's just the white seven on his leg. And it's uh, just part of his appeal. (laughs) all right what else uh let's do a couple more and then we'll wrap it up here you guys have been asking great questions thanks for all these these have been really good i'm sorry if i'm not getting to all of them uh,
0: Henny asks, if anyone dies who do they call
1: um if anyone dies who do they call
0: yeah i think I was in reference to something else
1: earlier oh i'm um i don't know what that's in reference to the morgue i guess <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking if Scientology COVID-19 was the first thing I thought of and, um, you know, they would call the, the authorities and then they would call the family and, you know, they would kind of deal with it that way. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: is it possible there are people on bases that may not even know about COVID?
1: Uh, okay. Are there people on Sea Org bases who don't even know about COVID? No. There's no chance of that at this point. Um, the, Scientology does brief their crew. They do want their crew healthy, and they do want their crew working, which is why they want them healthy. Uh, so they do brief them and try to keep them safe. It's it, that's for real. They really do care about each other. Um, it's just the, it's just that the culture is so abusive that it, you can't be a, a decent person there. It's it's a it's a very strange dichotomy, and it's a little hard to explain. But yeah. That's that's kind of what happens. All right. Yep.
0: Preacher 1138. In your interview with Mark Headley, he said that DM's dog was put on doggy RPF. What did the dog do?
1: Not hold the cans well enough? What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember what it was that DM's dog did to end up on the dog RPF. That's actually new to me. I don't really remember that from my talk with Mark. Maybe we were joking about it or something. <laughs> I I don't remember that part. All right, let's do one more. Uh,
0: NC says, what do you think Scientology is trying to achieve in Clearwater? What's their ideal scenario
1: there? Taking over. Scientology, what is what does Scientology want to want to achieve in Clearwater? Control. They want a safe location that they control the entire environment so that they can just run, you know, their operations without any interference from anybody else and thereby go about clearing the planet. So that's, that's what they're trying to do. And they don't take kindly to um, interference, what they call counterintention. Uh, the purpose of Scientology ethics, okay, get this. The purpose of Scientology ethics is to first remove counterintention from the environment. Okay, so if people don't want you around, people don't want you there. That's the first target. You get rid of them. But the second target of ethics is to remove other intentionness from the environment. So, after you've got rid of all the people who don't want you there, then you either get rid of or convert all the people who are really kind of neutral or don't have, you know, who have something else going on besides what you have going on. And if you follow that logic through to its very easily seen uh, end result, then the end goal is everybody's a Scientologist, period. And anything less than that would be unethical as far as Scientologists are concerned. That's, you know, so that's their goal for Clearwater. That's their goal for the whole world. I know it's crazy, but that's what they want. Okay, so um, somebody confirms Zoe Kravitz is the one playing Catwoman. Excellent. Excellent and there was a question earlier that I saw at the very beginning that we did not get to, and so I'm going to remember that. I'm going to throw that one out there, and that is tone 40. Somebody asked about tone 40. Now, I have actually answered this in my series already extensively, but I'll, I'll say again that tone 40 in Scientology is the top of the tone scale, the top of the emotional ladder that you can attain, and it's called serenity of beingness. Serenity of beingness. You're simply in a place where you exist. You know everything. You can be aware of everything. And nothing really bugs you. At all. It's just a total God state. It's just like nothing could hurt you. You're not in a body anymore, by the way. I should be clear that Tone 40 is not something you experience through your body. Tone 40 is something that... You only experience as a spiritual state. And tone 40 is also used in Scientology as an expression of ultimate intention. It is intention without any reservation, any doubts, no possibility that what you want to have happen is going to happen. It's just, it's simply going to happen. And this is Scientology's equivalency to a prayer. Scientology's version of prayer, making a postulate, being tone 40. These are all synonyms for each other. So that's what tone 40 is in Scientology. And with that, I guess we'll be wrapping up. Uh, These have been great. You guys have been awesome. Thank you for your contributions and your super chats and all these great questions. If I didn't get to all of them, I'm sorry. Um, It's just time and my big mouth. Um, but yes, there will be a ton more content, uh, coming. I'm just kind of glancing through some of these things. And, um, and I, by the way, yes, I do things to Melissa all the time that make her eyes roll. Uh, dad jokes a plenty. All right, <laughs> let's wrap it up here, guys. You guys have been awesome, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.